Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. We have a phenomenal guest and a good friend of mine on today, Jennifer Bardot with Enterprise Bank and Trust. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. Crafted using your exact measurements, custom clothing is the perfect expression of who you are or who you intend to be. It's about getting what you want. The right fit, the right fabric, the right details, the right style. Ben Lawler with the Tom James Company helps you choose from over 500 custom suit fabrics and 250 custom dress shirt fabrics. He can help you build your entire wardrobe, including suits, shirts, trousers, sports coats, and even custom tuxedos. To learn more, visit stlleaders.com. And now to this week's episode with Jennifer Bardot. Jennifer McDonald Bardot, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Brian. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, we've known each other several years. We do a ton of networking together. You're a sponsor of this podcast and this show. You've been a big supporter of it. And I wanted to bring you on today just to talk about really your story and the leadership that you're portraying, not only at Enterprise Bank, but across the community here in St. Louis. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of dive in there and start really in the beginning, really your path to Enterprise Bank. So why don't you walk us through kind of growing up here in St. Louis and then the path that led you to Enterprise Bank? Sure. So thank you again. I'm excited to be here and we do a ton of networking. I think of you as a friend. So it's been great to get to know you um, on a personal level. Um, so anyway, my path to Enterprise is kind of unique because I'm unlike most bankers. So I grew up in Sunset Hills with two parents that worked a ton. They're both you know, hard worker, blue collar. My dad was a small business owner in the construction industry, running a commercial contracting company that pretty much just touched any building downtown in regards to building the new stadium and the dome. And then my mom was in, well, still is, she's a leading woman in the car industry and has been in F&I for over 25 years. So she's kind of legend in her own right. And so I was pretty much raised by my grandma, which was my mom's mom. Um, I'm the oldest of two. And for a little while, my cousin actually lived with us as well. So I was kind of like the oldest of two girls. Um, I was always a real energetic kid, pretty much involved in anything that I could get involved in. If it was astronomy club, cheerleading, dance, baton, 
modeling, whatever. I was always trying to figure out something new and interesting. I even drove um, a race car, boats, jumped off cliffs, whatever. So um, always a really energetic kid, but always really passionate about following whatever really I was interested in. So grew up in Sunset Hills, graduated from Lindbergh, went on to Fompon, getting my undergraduate in business and psychology. So um, instead of going on to graduate school right away, I took a year off and actually started my own business. So I was a small business owner at the Lake of the Ozarks and I was managing properties um, in the residential and commercial cleaning space. So I actually secured some pretty awesome contracts within the um, new construction condo complexes at the Lake of the Ozarks. But my first kind of insight to small business firsthand was the difficulty I had with securing actually people to work for me. So they would either steal from my clients, which thankfully I was bonded and insured, or you know they wouldn't show up for work and I would have to end up doing the projects myself. So I ended up going back to school and I went to graduate school and I ended up getting two masters in secondary education, guidance counseling and private practice therapy. And during graduate school, I was really financially you know, savvy because I only graduated with $15,000 of graduate student loan debt. I ended up working full-time. That was my first taste in banking um, as a teller in the drive-through because I could start at 5 a.m. and end at three and then take my night classes as well as um, maintaining my graduate assistantship to pay for my master's. So I was working 60 hour weeks, sometimes even more because the banks would be open on Saturdays so then I could secure my two internships. So essentially I graduated a semester early on Dean's List um, with two master's degrees and only $15,000 worth of debt. So family's big to me. So I actually moved back to St. Louis from Springfield, Missouri, and I ended up being a recruiter. So I was a college recruiter and I did that for three years because I was a first generation college student. And I really wanted to show others that, you know, hey, they could do something different than has been done in the past for their families. Um, so I recruited all parts of Missouri, you know, inner city, St. Louis to rural Missouri. And I did that for quite a while until I found out I was going to have my first son. So I pivoted because that was a lot of traveling. I ended up working for my mom and my uncle's appraisal company. So I went on and got some more education and I became a certified appraiser in the state of Illinois. Um, so I've always really been passionate about real estate and just having that um, education really kind of enhanced that as well. So from that, I ended up being able to buy a couple of properties and rehabbing myself and, um, you know, learn more about sweat equity and so forth. But from there, I ended up starting my own consulting company and I really was tied into rebranding um, folks through LinkedIn. And that's actually how I was able to then jump into the position over at Eden Theological Seminary where I was running their financial aid department. So that was kind of my first step back into the banking world because I was talking about finances again with each individual student at the seminary and understanding you know, what their um, personal finances look like and how to find different solutions to offset the cost of tuition without taking out student loans. So from that experience, I really saw the, the, the need of having an empathetic banker in the role to sit down and talk with women. And I never really realized that women were intimidated by finances, but um, in that role, at least the women that I was exposed to, they weren't comfortable talking about finances and they didn't know these different tools of how to build their wealth. So I ended up calling Enterprise. I shared with them my background 
and they said, you need to check out business banking. So I um, went on a couple interviews and I made the switch. And to be honest, I'd never really sold before other than in my own business and for my uncle's appraisal company. So I didn't think I would do really well at sales. Um, so I was intimidated to take this position, but I really enjoyed being at an enterprise and helping the small businesses um, that I get to serve. So that's yeah. a little bit about me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what I love about kind of the path there um, is the hard work and the dedication and the hours and, you know, all doing that while being a mother. Um, and so you transitioned to enterprise bank and, you know, I obviously, I know you better than probably most of the people who are listening to this episode, but um, you've had nothing but success since you've landed there. And I think a lot of that is tied to your work ethic. Um, I know you and I've had many conversations where I'm just like, how do you do it? How do you do it all? Like, how do you keep going? How do you, you know, you start in the early in the mornings and you're always at a happy hour or event in the evenings, you, you know, you're constantly out there working. And so let's talk about really, you know, since you've been an enterprise, the success that you've had and what do you believe has led to that success? And I think that will lead into the next question about networking. Well, thanks, Brian. And I still, I get naive when I hear about the success because I feel like I have so much more to build upon. Um, but so I remember the first award that I got in this banking role. And like I said, I'd only worked in banking three years prior to jumping into this role at um, Commerce Bank. So jumping over to Enterprise was a, just a different community. And they're actually really passionate about serving, you know, the communities within our area and the businesses. And it's more of a relationship bank. So I really, I just thrived in the, this environment and this culture. And I know six months into my career, Small Business Monthly named me top business banker and I was blown away. And then um, during COVID, two years into my banking career, I was awarded President Circle, which only a handful of bankers at Enterprise are given each year. So getting recognized with these senior leaders within our organization was pretty phenomenal. And then I had actually gotten a promotion two years into my career as well. So I've only been at the bank for a little over two and a half years and I was bumped up from AVP to vice president, senior business banker. And then I was asked to lead an internal DEI team within our business banking department. So I always lead just by working hard and helping others and finding how I can add value and make connections. And I think it always comes back in fivefold. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about networking. I know. So we, we kind of talked about that at the very beginning when I introduced you, but um, I know you're a big networker, especially in the in the women you know owned business area, and which we will get into here in a little bit. But where did you learn how to network, or did you just teach yourself that? And kind of what is your networking strategy? <laughs> That's awesome. So if you know anything about my family, my dad pretty much knows everybody in this community. <laughs> he he works on these big projects, and I remember going to Bush Stadium or you know down to a Blues game, and we'd stop every two seconds because someone said hey to Mark. So I kind of had a perfect leading um, person to see how networking started, and he would go to car shows, and as a young child, I'd have to learn how to talk to just about anybody. Um, so I think I started networking much younger than most folks, just because I was put in these situations where you had to talk and, you know, ask questions and learn about people, and I love hearing people's stories and understanding of who they are, really, and I love helping. So um, I kind of just think I naturally network just because I like hearing people's stories and I just jump in and always come from a place of servant leadership. And, you know, I serve on, I serve in many different community se sectors as well. So in the construction space, I'm really involved with ASA and the AGC of Missouri, and I serve on two committees for there and association of corporate growth and, 
you know, during COVID, I started a women's group called Thought Partners. And even with my three boys, I serve on their trivia committee to help with fundraising. I helped found the earning curve in the manufacturing space, and I volunteer at I-10 and SLU IMT. So for me, I think it's important to network in different communities so you can really see what's out there and available so I can provide those as resources to all the businesses that I serve. So I don't yeah, know. Absolutely. I it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, absolutely. Well, you know, when you're talking a little bit about there about your dad, it made me think about my father. So my dad was a barber. Uh, so if you know anything about barbers in small towns, I grew up in Edwardsville, Illinois, um, yes. we would go out to dinner as a family and it was, you know, my dad always would run into somebody he knew, whether it was a politician or somebody, you know, client of his. And to your point, I, you know, we always had to kind of be on our best behavior because you never knew who yeah. dad was going to run into. Right? right. And, and, uh, you know, as a kid I would get out of school and I'd ride my ba- my bike to my dad's barbershop and I would sit in my dad's barbershop in the afternoons and do homework and, and watch him cut hair and, my dad would always jokingly say that cutting hair, 90% of it is the conversation and 10% is actually the work of cutting the hair. And so I had to learn real quick how to have conversations with these, these people and these customers of his, because they would always ask me about school or what's going on. And over the years, I became friends with a lot of his customers. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting your path there from a networking up was pretty much the exact same thing for me on how I started getting into networking and really how I started this podcast. When you, you know, when you mentioned there that, you like hearing people's stories and learning who they are and why they are the way they are and what they do and how they do it. That's really the premise of this show is to highlight the people in our community that are leading our community in a CEO role or a leadership role or some kind of a role and, and telling their story so that everybody can kind of hear, you know, kind of what their path was. So it's, it's, it's really neat that, you know, kind of we align from that perspective. And I agree with you that you have to be involved in a lot of different um, areas of networking. You can't just be in tech or you can't just be in manufacturing unless that is literally your, your niche. But in, in a banking role like yours or in, in, a, in an HR outsourcing role like mine, yeah, there's like, there's areas that we, you know, that I do better in than, than other areas, but there's a wide variety of industry. And, you know, I'm kind of industry agnostic to a certain extent. And so right. to your point, you, you got to be able to get into the different, different groups and the different networks so that you can be able to get to know those types of people. And I think, and I think you would probably agree with me, but I'll turn it back to you in a second. I think a lot of people, when they think of networking, they go about it in a very wrong way. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, when it comes to networking, think about, I got to go to this event and I got to meet a client. I got to meet the owner of a business, or I got to, I got to walk out of there with some kind of a meeting for the next week. And I really don't believe that's how networking should work. When you go to a networking event or you go out to have coffee with a person, your entire goal should be how you can help some help help somebody at that event or help the person you're sitting across through with coffee, right? And if you do that, I think you'll find that networking pays off way more than if you just go in there with the idea and the thought process that you're trying to, to get something for yourself. I could not agree more. It should never be about you. It should be about the person that you're having that conversation with. Yes. Everything. Yeah. And I'm in perfect alignment with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I've had a lot of bosses um, in my past, and I don't know about yours, that didn't like networking. They thought it was a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted money. Um, and, you know, they, they would rather just pick up the phone call, the phone and, you know, make cold calls all day, which obviously <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a salesperson, you still got to do some of that. Right. But my, right. Stra- my strategy has pretty much always been networking. And Look, I, I would, I would, I feel like I'm, I've been pretty successful in my career. And, you know, to your earlier point, I got a lot of, a lot of road to go down still, but, um, 
you know, networking is not for everybody, but I, I truly tell people that if, if you can figure out how to do it for yourself and make it work, it can pay off big time. I couldn't agree more. And to be honest, I'm, I'm actually kind of timid when it comes to big events. I'd rather stand in the back and be shy and find one person that I connect with authentically and have a real conversation with than meet everybody in the room. So, yeah. I, I call those people business card grabbers, right? The, the guy that <laughs> yeah. walks in and all they want to do is see how many business cards they can collect and then go call them the following day. My strategy when I go to a fairly large event is usually three people. I want to meet three new people is all I really care to meet. Once I've met those three people, you know, if, if I'm ready to leave or I want to get home to my family or need to get home to my family, that that's it. I, I, I try to meet three people. I grab those three people's business cards. And then I obviously follow up with those three people to have a, you know, a more personal conversation, whether it's coffee or lunch or something along those lines. But you can get overwhelmed at networking events like that, where you just walk in and it's like, wow, there's 400 people here, 300 people here. Where do I begin? And I think to your point, you, you pick a couple of people out that you're wanting to meet. You may not know who they are. Just walk up to them. You never know what position they're in. And, you know, they could be, you know, competition for you for that matter, but they still get to know that person. There be, might be ways you can trade business back and forth. Don't try to just pinpoint out which person in this room is a business owner and can help me the most. Yes. And some, one of the mindset I always come in with is you never know who people know and how they can help you in a different way. So there's no such thing as a bad introduction or a bad meeting because you never know down the road what that can lead to. Absolutely. Well, you know, and when you, when you get into networking, as long as you and I both have, you know, I've obviously been introduced to a ton of bankers over my career and um, networked with a lot of them. But, you know, anytime I get introduced to people like yourself, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is another banker, but I have no idea how that person can help me or how I can help them. And, you know, when we met three, four or five years ago, I don't even know what it was. You know, I had no idea where it was, where it was going to lead, but it's led to a great partnership and a great friendship. Um, and you know, most people wouldn't think about that when they just get introduced to what I would call another banker in St. Louis. Exactly. Yes. We're, I mean, there's tons of us and just like in your role too, but I feel like, you know, you differentiate yourself for who you are and how you can add value. So, um, absolutely, always good to even meet other people in the same industry. So. Yeah. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Well, let's kind of shift gears a little bit here, talking about networking in the women's space. Um, I know you're very involved with women-owned um, businesses and women networking. Um, I'm a, you know, I, I know that you have a passion behind that, but talk to me about kind of working in that space and how rewarding it is to help those women-owned businesses. So I like serving women-owned businesses and startups and minority-owned businesses as well. So I, I. I don't know where the passion came from, to be honest, other than I think I grew up with two really strong, you know, role models in regards to women in my life. My grandma pretty much raised three kids solo and, you know, didn't even have a high school education, but started a daycare out of her house and served the families in the church that she was affiliated with. And, you know, my mom put herself through night class to be able to be a leading lady in the finance industry. And then my grandma on my dad's side, when my grandpa passed away really young, she stepped in and pretty much led our family construction business until she passed. So 
seeing those women and just, I don't know, the mighty force and it was empowering. I wanted to make sure that other women had role models like that because I don't know if that's common in other, you know, families or, you know, sometimes women just need a little bit more support. So I like to just jump in there and connect and empower and lift women up. And it's just always been something that I'm passionate about because I feel like as women, we, you know, we wear many hats. If we're running the household or taking care of our families or trying to run a business and it's just important to have those communities to support each other. So during COVID, um, pre-COVID, I had a group called Seat at the Table and it was kind of like a woman run board meeting. So we would just get together and strategize and it kind of dissolved during COVID because we couldn't meet in person. So a peer of mine, Lorna Gabar um, at Enterprise and I started Thought Partners and we have slowly grown it to over 300 members since last August. And it's just incredible. It's a free give back to, you know, the women in our community and some of them are business owners and some of them are executives in corporate America. But I just, I'm really passionate about supporting women and that's kind of where I started a book and I pulled together 40 women and it's just something I'm passionate about. So yeah, well, let's dive into the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's dive into the book. So I was at your book launch, I guess that was a couple of months ago now or a month, month and a half ago, um, which yeah. seems like crazy. It's been that long already. I know. Um, but let, yeah, let's dive into the book. Talk to us about the book. What made you decide to you know do it? And then talk to us about the overwhelming success that you've had with the book. So the book kind of came from, it's been on my goals for probably about two years. And initially I thought the book was going to be just me writing the book. And then I was like, no, that's so, that does, that won't, that won't reach enough women and it won't be as impactful. So during COVID, and I know this is weird, but as a banker, just like how you're describing your dad, I hear a lot of stories and, you know, I'm kind of like a vault because I hear these stories and they're, they're impactful and um, they're also inspiring. So when I, most of the women in the book are either my clients or my friends, and I've heard these stories firsthand. So I wanted to pull together these women to share their stories because as society, we learn through stories. And I thought it would be really powerful to lift other women up who might be, you know, hurting behind closed doors or going through some difficult times to see women who they may know, or just read a story and help them feel inspired to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and they need to find their spark and get passionate about moving forward. Um, so that's kind of where the idea came from. I was really strategic when I invited the women to be a part of it because I wanted to have a broad audience. So I wanted it to have, you know, an age range, an ethnicity range, and just diversity in all senses of, you know, the industry that they serve. Some of them are in construction. Some of them are small business owners. Some of them are executives uh, for nonprofits. And I just wanted it to be very diverse because I thought we would have a broader audience that we could reach. And you know, by pulling together 40 women, I was, I was hoping the reader would have one story that they could relate to, um, it, which would make a bigger impact than just having it all about me. I wasn't into that. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Some of the challenges, obviously, when you pull in 40 women, um, <laughs> it's hard to round them all up and just to make sure that, you know, the communication was going out and everybody knew what was going on. And, you know, some of them decided to drop out and then I'd have to replace those seats. So just really making sure that it would have the impact that I was looking for. And, you know, we partnered with Kathy Davis with Davis Creative in St. Louis, a local publisher. And 
she pretty much did all of the marketing. So it took a lot off my plate, but like we said earlier, I'm pretty stretched thin with all the different, you know, committees that I serve on and I have three boys at home. So um, taking this project on was pretty overwhelming, but I started in August and Carrie and I launched the book on Mother's Day. So, and then, like you said, you attended our book launch. I thought that ended up being an amazing event. I was nervous it was going to rain, but it was a really successful event in May and somehow, which is really interesting. And I, this wasn't part of my agenda at all. We ended up being a U.S. bestseller and then an international bestseller in eight different countries, which was just like overwhelming. So it's yeah. been cool. But. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on the success. Yeah, that that day they were calling for tornadoes and hail and <laughs> yeah. storms. And I was like, Oh, yeah. no. Uh, but we got there. And look, it was I mean, it was hot. It was humid. Yes, <laughs> um, it, was hot. Yes. it was a great event. You had a great turnout. Um, and yeah, just um, congratulations on the success of the book and, and making it happen. For those people who are listening to this episode right now, where can they find the book, the name of the book, all of those details? Yeah, the book is called Owning Your Grit, and it can be found at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or it's on Kindle. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So let's uh, let's round out here. We got a couple more questions I would love to ask you, but let's talk about leadership uh, for a second. I, obviously, you're leading your leader not only in our community, but you're a leader at Enterprise Bank and Trust. But let's talk about kind of your view on leadership. How do you view leadership? What do you think makes a leader successful? Um, and a good leader. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. For me, I think it all comes down to the ability to inspire others and lift them up so they can shine and see themselves kind of like a mirror. So if you're a leader, you should be able to shine a mirror on someone and allow them to see themselves and feel empowered and, you know, allow them to see all their talents and their attributes. So I always come from a place of servant leadership and empowering and giving and caring. And I saw that with my dad firsthand, you know, he was in the construction industry and they work so hard in all different temperatures and long hours, long days. Sometimes they can only work at night because of the different hours on the projects. And he always came from a place of, you know, if one of his employees, even though he was a leader and an owner of the company, if one of his employees couldn't get to a job site, he was picking them up and making sure that they would get there. And I thought going that extra mile and always come from a place of giving was just so impactful. And I feel like just always helping others is really important. So that's kind of how I see a good leader. And I think the ability to inspire and empower is just a really powerful tool. Absolutely. Well, I love two things you said there, servant leadership. I'm a big fan of that. A lot of people I have on this show talk about the same type of leadership, but also the, you know, putting the mirror on the person because being a leader is not being a manager. I think sometimes that gets very much confused. Um, obviously there's obviously some management you know, type stuff that goes into being a leader when you're overseeing people, but, um, being a leader is totally different than being a manager, you know, and, and your goal as leaders to, you know, my, what I call is be your coach, be the coach, right? You, you, you're the person to coach them and help them and motivate them and, and guide them. Um, you know, and I kind of take the stance when it comes to management leadership that if, you know, through my coaching and my guidance, you can't be successful, then, you know, then you might want to check, you know, your own self to make sure that you're motivated and that you're right in the right position and that you really want to be a part of that team. 
Um, but yeah, I think a leader is absolutely somebody who should turn the mirror back on that person and, and make them find the good talents they have. Everybody has good talents. Everybody has great, great, uh, great drive. It's just, are they on the, in the right position where at the organization they're in? Um, and if they are, then, you know, the leader's job is really kind of coach them and guide them and motivate them and let them, you know, do the job that you hired them to do. So I think that's a, a very valid point that you bring up there. Yep. And I couldn't agree more. Yep. The coach is important. Absolutely. So I always end this podcast by asking my guest um, really for some advice. So if you could leave us with one piece of advice today, whether that is about business, whether it's about networking, writing a book, life in general, whatever you would like to share, what kind of advice would you leave with us today? I would say always be humble and have empathy and lead from the heart. And when you're thinking about making moves, look at the big picture because, you know, the instant gratification isn't what it should be about. It should be about the bigger picture. So I guess that would be my advice. Well, I love that advice. Absolutely. I, I, being humble is a very, very important part of life. And um, people who can find that balance, but still be confident in their abilities are, you know, make really great leaders, to be honest with you. Um, so Jennifer, on behalf of the STL leaders podcast and myself, um, I love what you're doing for our community in St. Louis. Um, you're, you're definitely one of the STL leaders here in town. Uh, I would tell anybody who's listening to this episode, if you don't know Jennifer, if you haven't met Jennifer, you haven't had coffee with her, reach out to her, connect with her. She's a, she's an inspiration all in herself, just by the amount of work and involvement she's in, in our community, but she's just an overall great person to, to know. And so on behalf of us, thank you for being a great STL leader and coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It's been awesome. So I appreciate it.